Welcome to this Sunday's message from the King's Church Mid-Sussex. Well, in recent weeks, we've been asking, who is this man? We've been looking at Mark's account of the life of Jesus. Mark has told us that we all need the cross, that place that Jesus went to for us. You see, we all need relationship with God, and yet without some help, we're going to stay distant and separate from him. And in his gospel, his account of Jesus, he's told us how people struggled to know who this man was and all the different conclusions they came to. Locals rejected him. Mourners laughed at him. Whole communities asked him to leave when he'd healed deeply troubled individuals that had lived among them. Leaders opposed and denounced him. Experts disputed and discounted him. Others argued. They demanded proof. Wealthy, well-meaning types didn't want to pay the price for following him. Ambitious types wanted Jesus, but only on their own terms. Family tried to take him away. Friends either told him off or ran off. They doubted him. They betrayed him. Disciples couldn't keep following and didn't quite understand the things that he said and that he taught. They didn't know who is this man. They all struggled in one way or another at quite recognising him properly. Mark wants us to know, though, for all of that, he is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. He's chosen. He's empowered. He's able to conquer sin and death, to meet our deepest needs. He is the one to rescue those who didn't know how to rescue themselves and couldn't do so either. We all need to recognise who Jesus really is. We all need the cross. He called his followers, actually, to take up their cross and follow him. That would have been such a controversial, such a striking thing. I mean, no one chose their cross, right? And just in case that wasn't obvious enough, Mark tells us that when Jesus didn't seem to be carrying his cross to his place of crucifixion quite quick enough for the Roman soldiers who needed a job done before Passover... This Libyan guy called Simon was made, well, forced to take up his cross and follow him. One person did, and he only did it because he was forced to. You see, crucifixion was never a career option. It wasn't a chosen way of life. It was an imposed death sentence. No one chose it except Jesus. Mark wants us to see all of this together to recognise this king, this incredible king. He's the conqueror, the conqueror of life and death. And he's inviting us to recognise the unlikely method and means of this conqueror's victory in his gospel. Mark wants us to see God at work 
through the cross, even when it appears that Jesus is just like a pawn in the hands of his enemies. It's in this place of apparent defeat that he truly is the conqueror, undefeated. So let's consider some of the details Mark used to point to Jesus the conqueror. In Mark 15, 33, at the crucifixion, we're told it got dark. Actually, it wasn't quite the right time of day for darkness. It was probably nearer midday, about the time of, of day people would need to begin preparing their special lamb for their Passover meal. And Jesus is being prepared for crucifixion. But it got dark and it stayed dark for at least three hours. Mark's just told us those with Jesus had reviled him. He was taking some serious flack from pretty much every person around him, some heat one way or another. But the thing is, and Mark wants us to see that, everybody else's disgust is completely eclipsed in every sense of the word by this very real and very present darkness. This darkness tells us it's not just about their judgment, their dismissal of Jesus. No, no, no. It was really all about God's judgment in this moment of conquering. Elsewhere in the Bible, you see a long way back near the beginning in the book of Exodus, God's judgment had been thick darkness before in Egypt for three days, not long before Passover. Coincidence? I don't think so. You know, it seems like nearly every day we hear of difficulties between people, organisations, groups and communities and, and nations that seem to be unsolvable. People judge other people and, and their positions become polarised, hardened and in, entrenched, even when they know deep down that maybe they're not entirely innocent. No one seems prepared to shift or to change, to risk themselves or to take any shame in ways that would go any way towards making things right again. But that's exactly the opposite of what Jesus did when he entered the darkness for us, you and me. Jesus shifted from heaven. He became one of us. He gave himself completely and took our shame when he was completely, unquestionably innocent. Even when things are not outright hostile, sooner or later the love that we choose will lead us to love that we probably wouldn't choose. Maybe you've known that in your own relationships. What happens then? Will we give up and turn away? Or will we give ourselves to a greater love? Praise God, in his love for us, he didn't turn away. He gave himself to a greater love, entering the darkness for us. That's provocative to think about that. Dark for three hours, what a crazy day. We 
busy ourselves by day when it's light, don't we? Making sure we're distracted for as long as possible. But what about darkness? Like silence. It can be a place where we're much more aware of ourselves, our thoughts and our fears. Realities can be a lot harder to ignore in the darkness. But God, who is light, comes into and conquers darkness for you, for us. What a conqueror he is. You see, he was abandoned. That's the next thing Mark wants to do to point out who this man was, to recognize the conqueror that he was. He was abandoned. Jesus, we're told, cried out in the darkness. Why have you forsaken me? I don't know about you. I think it's fair to say that when we can't see anymore, when we can't feel anymore, we're going to doubt. We might admit to saying that. Maybe in moments when we're not sure, we might say, does God still love me? Has he seen this that I'm in? Does he understand? Is he even listening in my life? Jesus couldn't feel anymore. And yet he still believed. My God, my God, he cried out. He was saying, I know who you are and I know who we are. That hasn't changed even in this moment of abandonment. It has not changed. He was abandoned and yet he cried out that we might never be abandoned. Incredible. This is the place where we can look. We can hang on when we can't think or feel anymore. Because in this moment, Jesus conquered doubt for each of us. Amazing. He didn't do that as some superhuman being. Mark moves on to underline that. He says he drank sour wine. I'm not quite sure how appealing a drink that might seem to you uh, or to me, but Jesus had refused the mixed wine Uh, that was intended to numb some of the pain and take the edge off the agonies of crucifixion. But he did seem to want this thirst-quenching drink. Elsewhere, the other gospel writers tell us he cried out, I thirst. Mixed wine was a kind of medicine. He, He passed up on that one. Sour wine was the liquid of choice uh, among soldiers for refreshment on a thirsty day. A soldier had some sour wine. He rushed and got some on a sponge and offered it. It was in his interest to do that to his crucifixion victim. And he did that. But I mean, just think of the irony of that, right? If you read your Bible, the one who said, whoever drinks of the water I give him will never be thirsty again, was thirsty on the cross. The one who said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, was thirsty in that place. In that place, it seems, the living water had dried up. He had been completely poured out as he conquered 
for you and for me, for us, completely poured out. Even as he conquered, Jesus shared our humanity, uh, our frailty, our thirst. He uttered a loud cry, we're told, and he breathed his last. A Roman soldier worth his salt knew how uh, to achieve a long and lasting example of an enemy of the state of Rome. Crucifixion was meant to be a warning to anybody else watching, and they made sure people were, that you should submit to Rome or, or this could happen to you. As life was snuffed out, the idea was that any other silly ideas about freedom and hope among the crowd would equally be crushed. People faded away under the life-sapping cruelty of crucifixion. Highly trained soldiers made sure of that. Maybe that could be eked out for a bit longer to leave a lasting, ever more lasting impression on passers-by with a drop or two of sour wine. But that was not with Jesus. He didn't fade out. Right at the end, we're told he uttered a loud cry. Other accounts say he called out, it is finished. It seems Mark is telling us no one took Jesus' last breath. He breathed it when he decided. Right to the last, Jesus chose to die in our place. He didn't get to a point and think, oh no, what am I going to do? I can't get back from here. He chose. When he knew it was finished, when he knew he had conquered, the conqueror breathed his last. Mark tells us, at this point Mark chooses to tell us another thing about who this man was. The curtain in the temple, an inner curtain that separated a place more people could go from a very special place of God's presence where very few were allowed on a limited basis. It was torn from top to bottom. Just in case there's any doubt whether Jesus has conquered, whether he's won a way, uh, opened the way that separates us from God and from his presence. Mark tells us this curtain's torn from, from top to bottom, right? In other words, it's torn in a way that humans couldn't have done it. Only heaven could have done. Ironically, Jesus being mocked that he couldn't destroy the temple when actually he could tear any part of it he chose to for his purposes. And he did. Even from the cross, the conqueror, to know you, to restore relationship with you, with each of us. God has opened up a way to the place of his presence. The conqueror has made a way for us. He is the way for us. And finally, Mark tells us, the centurion saw how he died and he wondered at who he might be. As grim as it all sounds to us, uh, actually, it was just another day at the office for one of the Roman soldiers. Not only this, 
But if you got good at this, uh, you'd have to get good at this to be the boss, a centurion. And that would mean you'd get rather good at your job if you were going to be a centurion. You didn't get there without seeing plenty of people die. And many of those for a centurion would have died by his own hands. And yet, despite all that this killing machine knew, he recognised that no victim of his crucifixion on his watch ever died like that. They didn't breathe their last in that kind of way. You see, having been paid to organise the death of Jesus, he had instead just been a witness of it. Who was this man? The centurion asks. Who is this Jesus? Wow. <laughs> Tantalizingly, we don't know what happened next to the centurion. Was it just a curious story? You won't believe what happened to me at work today. Or did the truth change his life? The point for Mark, you see, is not actually what happened to the centurion as he wondered who this man might be, but what happens to each of us as we answer the question, who is this man? And we choose whether or not that changes our life. Not a change in a moment. Maybe you made that change years ago. How we live with a changed life too. Many were a long way from the truth in Mark's gospel. They thought they knew better. Actually, their taunts turned out to be nearer the truth than their misguided beliefs. But what about us? That's them. What about us? Mark wants us to know we need the cross. We need Jesus. We need the conqueror. We need to remember it. We need to cling to him and to his cross, what he has done for us, what that makes us. We need to live in Christ, in his kingdom, in his power, in his way for his work. That's what he speaks to us. Jesus told us how by his provision. He made sure he'd explained that right up front before anything much of Easter had happened. He explained that at his table. And that's the place that he invites us to remember it. And so that's what we're going to do right now. Thanks for listening to this message from the King's Church Mid-Sussex. To connect with us online, visit tkc.org.uk. We hope you'll join us again soon.